Well, welcome to Coffee with Vern, a time where we enjoy conversation with each other of the truth of scripture, theological truth, and then once a month, we will cover a question segment from your questions sent in to james at westacres.org. Well, hey, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Hey, Mullen. Mullen's not here today. Well, welcome. It's Coffee with Vern, and you can see us. How about that? Um, I'm going to have to talk to the camera because Malone's not here today. Dude, perfect sound effect, but, um, it's okay. Malone is doing diligent work, preparing his lesson for Sunday. And although we're not going to talk about Malone's lesson from this Sunday, like we did last week on coffee with Vern, this Sunday was exceptional. And so I'm excited for next Sunday, bringing Psalm 119 heat. It's just good stuff. It, dude, it tickles my heart. And I don't know if that's good terminology, but it tickles my heart when people speak of the Hebrew and do the Hebrew language justice. So well done, Malone, as you're in your office and not with me. But guess what? I have Jesse with me. Now, I'm going to roast him a little bit in a loving manner. <laughs> that's not allowed. Jo- uh, oh, yes, it is. Jesse... <laughs> refuses to get in front of the camera unless he has a notice. And so what did I do? I didn't give him a week's notice. I gave him two weeks notice. So he'll be here August 11th. (laughs) If you've never met Jesse, if you're not from West Acres, you'll see the man behind the camera right here. But he is with me in sound. We have him plugged in. So he will add commentary. It just makes me feel uncomfortable knowing that I have to be in front of the camera in two weeks. (laughs) No, not at all. He's going to be right there. He doesn't drink coffee and that's okay. But he loves the smell of it, so we're gonna have him on water. We, water with Jesse. That's water the segment. Oh my gosh, I thought that's what we were doing with Pastor Larry because Pastor Larry doesn't <laughs> drink coffee. Water with Larry. Well, there you go. Or we need to come up with something with an L, something with Larry. Lemons with Larry. I don't know. Lemonade. Lemonade. Hey, that'd be a tangy, juicy time. Uh, oh, oh, punch. Wait a minute. Yeah. Oh wait. Do you have something? <laughs> hey, yeah. there you go. We're here. So, what's on the chopping block today? Good stuff. Are you excited? I'm I'm pretty stoked about today. I'm excited. I'm excited that I'm still behind the camera. Yeah, but he can talk. So y'all hear him, but you have no idea what this man looks like unless <laughs> you're a member here. That's how it's supposed to be. No, no. It just feels lonely. You know, honestly, Todd Friel, if you're watching, and I am going to send this to your mailbox, actually, at some point. Don't let me forget to do that. I'm doing that because he's from Atlanta, and he's one of like the people I'm really trying to get on here. Can you imagine if we had freakishly tall Todd Friel here? Because that's what he calls himself. He's like six foot five. He might be shorter. He might be taller, but to me, he's six foot five. Well, he would he would go good with Malone. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But he's got that deep voice. And yeah. I can't impersonate him. It's just so unique. But see, his friends Phil, uh, Phil, who I love to hear preach, but Phil doesn't sit in front of the camera, so he just talks to him. So I feel like we're doing wretched radio. So shout out to my brother Todd and Phil. But. We're going to have some fun, me and Jesse are. So let me give you a little tour real quick. You can see everything. Look, the Systematic is here. Let's close the computer. There she, there they are, the beauties of Systematic Theology. Uh, we have a candle. This one's brought to you by Miss Caps. Anna, shout out. Uh, sea salt, I think. It smells very masculine-y. That's an adjective or an adverb. I don't know. Martin Luther and Spurgeon did make it. If you remember that last episode in there, we gave a tour to them. They're here. Don't worry. I brought my brothers. And here's my office Funko Pop collection. I love the office. 
This is the one that Dwight has the stapler in the Jello. If you know that episode, it's a classic. That's a that's a good. Uh, and then here's Kevin with his chili. That's one of the best cold openings. Is that what it's called? Cold opening. I called it a cold cut. Yeah, no, it's not a cold cut. That's and that, like that's a sandwich, right? <laughs> cold cut. But um, it's got the the chili, and that is one of the best cold openings mm-hmm. for me. I think that one's hilarious. It is good. And so. But we're going to have some special guests. It's going to be a good time. We'll have Malone. Malone's going to be like my co-host with me and Jesse. Jesse's going to be on. We're going to get another mic so Jesse can talk every week with us. Don't worry. That's coming. <laughs> we're going to get Josh Heath up in here. Yeah. Hoping to get Pastor Larry up in here when he gets back from uh, surgery recovery. It's going to be a good time. Get Brother Rob. We're going to have. We're gonna try to get everybody up in this joint. And then we're going to start reaching out to some brothers and some sisters. I'm excited. This could be fun. This is going to be awesome. So what's on the chopping block today, Jesse? I got something good for us. Well, let's hear it. I'm excited. Dude, uh, first of all, you people know you want this. So it's time. It's time for a sip of the coffee. Today's brew, the diesel in the pot, is brought to you by Bridge City. That's it. Bridge City Coffee in Greenville. I forgot what this one's like some... I don't remember what the origin is. That's so depressing. It's something weird. Papua New Guinea. That's it. Papua New Guinea. These beans are, they look like raisins. They're huge. Um, and so let's get a let's get a nice sip for the people. Here we go. Oh, you're going to have to stop doing that. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't know how I feel about this. Anna bought it and she said, I just don't know how I feel. And I don't know how I feel. So. You try these coffees, these flavors that I never even knew they did flavors of. Like my my knowledge of coffee is, hey, do you want it black or is there a little bit of cream nah, in there? There is a world of coffee that, first of all, I won't ever get to introduce you to. No. But I can at least share with you about. And it's amazing. Like if you get on these coffee websites and you look at the flavorings. There's coffee websites? Oh, bro. <laughs> Dude, there is a world out there. There's one that I'm tickling with. I need to stop using that terminology. Yeah, I just don't like that. There's one that I'm teasing with or decide I'm, I'm in. I don't know what I I don't know if I want to buy it. Let's just put it that way. I was trying to think of something very heavy, but um, and it's got like white chocolate, raspberry and toffee. That's weird. It's now, weird to me. you know what? The funny thing is. Sometimes I taste it and I'm like, wow, that's a slap to the face. And then other times I'm like, what is this? It tastes like dirt. This case right here, can't tell. I think it's got like lemon in it. Nope, it's not there. Definitely not lemon. Mm. I, I just, I'm mad. I'm angry about that because I wanted the lemon. But the cherry wow. coffee was that $22 bag that I bought. I got like one more scoop of that I've been making at home. I don't bring it back into here because I have to make a lot for when we have guests. Yeah. That cherry coffee, that's bougie, $22 coffee. Can't even find it online anymore. I hate to tell you, but I don't like cherry either. Oh, my. (laughs) Well, that's okay. Hey, coffee's for me. So There you go. We've got a sip of coffee. we got the diesel in the pot, so let's get into it. I'm excited. This is going to be a heavy episode in the sense of what we're talking about. So um, we got some news. We're going to talk about cultural stuff. So we've got two episodes that we always know what we're going to do. That's sermon review. We're going to do questions. Um, let me tell you a little bit about where you can send your questions. I'm setting up an email account just for your comments, questions, and concerns. And it's going to be called coffeewithvern at gmail.com. Come check it out. Yeah. 
We're getting our own email. Next is a website. And then next we conquer the world. But we're getting a Gmail. Coffeewithvern at gmail.com. That'll be set up later today. So send me your questions. Our next question episode, we're going to wait till the end of August. We're going to get we're gonna get everything kind of moving in here. This is all kind of fresh to us, and then we'll have one. What were we talking about today? Let's get into it. This is heavy stuff. And so we're going to talk about Christian martyrdom. So when we have two free episodes, we're going to talk about some culture stuff. And I don't don't know how big you are in the news. Um, In the Christian news, if you follow any websites like Open Doors USA, Voice of Martyrs, uh, persecution.org, International Christian Concern, um, they put out a lot of cultural things that are taking place. I was actually sent one the other night by uh, Miss Kelly Spate. Um, If you know anything about the persecution going on right now, we're not hearing about it in the news news, right, in America uh, but it's taking place um, in overseas and other countries um, with this pandemic and with COVID and the quarantine and this and that. Uh, you just, you name it. Persecution has increased slightly and maybe even more that we just don't know about. Um, but why? So uh, overseas, a lot of countries in this time, how they've been helping their people is they've been aiding them through the government. Like the government has been giving medicine, food, shelter for those in need through this time. And in certain countries, they're not helping those that mark themselves as Christians or those that they know are Christians. They're not providing that government aid because of their faith. Um, Also in Nigeria, just persecution as far as in martyrdom and killing and slaying of believers has escalated. Um, this just past week, the news article I received, let me pull it up. Um, there was five Nigerian believers, uh, that were slain by, I believe it was ISIS. Um, and just hard things. I mean, and we hear this, but we kind of just, I feel like we just kind of push it under the rug and we forget about it very quickly. And so I wanted to have an episode where we talk about this because it's, it's real, it's reality. And these are not just people. If you're a believer, this is your brother and your sister. I mean, you know, um, and so I, I received this article. This was July 23rd, 2020. So just last week, Islamic extremists in Nigeria execute five men as warning against converting to Christianity. And listen to the words um, of these men from this Islamic extreme group. I think it was ISIS. But they say, we want you out there to understand that those of you being used to convert Muslims to Christianity are only being used for selfish purposes. The executioner said, as this is the reason whenever we capture you, they don't care to rescue you or work towards securing your release from us. And this is because they don't need you or value your lives. We therefore call on you to return to Allah by becoming Muslims. We shall continue to block all routes you travel. If you don't heed our warning, the fate of these five individuals will be your fate. And so sending out a fear-mongering, fear-tactic message, uh, believing that that we, the Christians, um, are selfish. Um, and it, just reading that, it pains you. Because it pains you because, first of all, the executioner, how lost he is. But second of all, these are our brothers and sisters being slain. But also, on the flip side of that coin, think about the glory that they're in right now. And so... I was talking to Jesse this morning. I was like, man, what should we talk about today? I just got a couple of options, a couple of topics. And so we wanted to talk about uh, Christianity and martyrdom. And so uh, what is the definition of a martyr? Well, just by Google, it's a person who is killed because of their religious or other beliefs. 
It's one who is slain for what they believe in religiously most often. Um, and so I want to kind of share with you some reality, some numbers. Um, do you remember the number that on our D-Now video no. since like the last 10 years? No, it was... It was significant. It was huge, though. Wasn't it like close to a million? I like think 900,000 900 something. something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think... Let's see. Let's look. I think you're right. I think it was right under 1 million. Yeah, yeah. Here it is. More than 4 million are estimated to have been killed in the war between 2000 and 2010 of genocide of martyrs. But here we go. Um, since over the last decade, 900,000 Christians have been martyred that we have record of. 900,000. I mean, think about that. And that's that we have record of. I mean, so these are extra. I, I can't use that word. I can't, I can't, there's certain times my tongue just goes. Um, but these are like huge numbers. These are profound numbers. Um, and these are, again, these are not just people. And I think that's kind of where the emphasis needs to be. These are brothers and sisters in the faith. These are true blood brothers and sisters because of Christ, the blood of Christ that bonds us and unites us. But just to give you some more perspective, what's taking place outside of America, Fulani militants killed 11 Christians in Nigeria on July 20th. Uh, Nigeria is just under uh, immense persecution right now. Um, another reality um, is this with Christians, 11 Christians kill are killed every day for their faith within the top 50 uh, countries on the world watch list. And that's from open doors to top 50 that are under the most persecution. 11 Christians are killed every day. One out of six Christians in Africa will experience high levels of persecution. One out of three Christians in Asia will experience high levels of persecution. And one out of 21 Christians in South America will experience high levels of persecution. 105 churches are attacked, burned, or vandalized each month. Um, another statistic, 18 consecutive years North Korea has ranked as number one on the world watch list. 18 years. I'm only 23. That's insane. Uh, 11 countries score in the extreme level for persecution. Five years ago, oh, for the reality of this, 11 do now. Five years ago, only North Korea was considered extreme. So just in the last five years, seven out of nine in seven of the countries in the world watch or the world watches list top 10, the primary cause is Islamic oppression. So the primary seven out of nine um, is from Islamic oppression. Um, and just the numbers go on and on and on uh, of the statistics. But one in nine Christians worldwide experience high level of persecution. High level meaning losing of people, like dying, losing of your um, house, uh, your job, like real persecution, not just somebody picking on you, like real deal things that threaten their lives. Um, and I mean, so this is real. This is fact. Um, and this isn't going away. This was promised. Um, in the scriptures, this was promised. And so just to share a little bit of um, some scripture dealing with this, I pulled up some verses on my laptop that I wanted to kind of share uh, because um, I was asked yesterday, and this was a good question. Um, I'll ask Jesse this question and see what he says before I give my answer. I was asked yesterday, um, you know, and this was from a student. Shout out to that student. Uh, you know who you are. But said, um, why do Islamic oppressors, why are they willing to die for what they believe in? 
but Christians are not. Well, it depends on what Christians you're talking about. I think. Yeah, that's kind of where I started. Yeah, I mean, I think there are. I think we see that with what you just went through. There are plenty of Christians who are willing to die. Um, I think you move into America and you get into American Christianity or yeah. uh, Christian nationalism and uh, people get comfortable with their white picket fences, their wife, two kids, and a dog, and oh. they, uh, if I may quote Lecrae for a minute. Shout out Lecrae. <laughs> yeah, I, I think people get comfortable. They forget what per- persecution really is. Uh, I think they don't understand what it really is, and uh, like you said before, I think they get they get upset when somebody picks on them, and they yeah. think that's persecution. Yeah, when I was being raised, I thought persecution was little Johnny at uh, just school going, hey, you go to church. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, nah, nah, fam, that's not it. If, if that's what persecution is, we got some serious issues. Um, one other, well, I kind of I, I went that route, and I told him, I said, well, man, um, first of all, let's just take it in America. Um, in America, it's because what we we're too afraid to leave what we have behind mm-hmm. instead of realize what we're gaining ahead. Absolutely. And then also on top of that is, uh, these other religions that are willing to sacrifice their lives or these other people that are willing to sacrifice their lives for the religions because they believe that it is true. Mm-hmm. And I think you hit the nail on the head with American Christianity because outside of America, I think the numbers are far and few between of those that don't believe what they're putting their stock into isn't real. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, here in America, it's more of it's just a tag on, like, oh yeah, man, I'm a I'm a Christian. I go to church on Sunday. It's more of a tradition, I think, in some senses. Yeah. It's yeah, routine. I go, to, I go to church on Sunday. Why? Why do you go to church on Sunday? Oh, we've always gone to church on Sunday. Yeah. Hey, I'm a Christian. Well, well why? Uh, I go to church on Sunday. Right. I was raised in the church. Exactly. Well, that's got nothing to do with it, bro. Right. Like, hey, hold on. Um, and that's what I told him. It's like, it's because men who believe what they are fighting for is absolute truth are willing to die for it. And I think that's the issue. Uh, I think it's twofold in the sense of we are too attached to what we're leaving behind um, and not enough attached to what we would be gaining in Christ in the sense of Philippians, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Right. Um, Paul's mentality. Paul was like, hey, I, I ain't touching. I don't want to be a part of none of this. Give me Jesus. Um, and I think that's why these brothers and these sisters overseas are willing to just throw it. The t- I'm done. Take me. But no, God be glorified. Um, and so it's just reality. And these numbers are alarming. Yes. But at the same token, uh, when have we seen the gospel be the most influential and spread the most in history? Uh, when Christians are oppressed and the church is under fire. There you go. I the, the facts are in the pudding, man. The proof is in the pudding, and I love some good pudding. <laughs> but uh, some passages for you. Sorry, I got on that rabbit trail. I forgot about my scripture passages. I just got, <laughs> I get happy about things and just roll. Some passages that I wanted to hit. A great one, 2 Timothy 3.12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will persecute it. Now, look, there's a, he's got the, the stock to what he said at the end. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life. So here, if you desire to live a godly life, what is going to be assured persecution? Um, and so how do you know if you're living a godly life? Well, 
We'll see if you're persecuted truly one day when you step outside of America or if America doesn't turn into it first. Let me ask you a question then. <clears throat> Go for it. <clears throat> if that is a sign, <clears throat> yes. then... Oh, I know where you're going. <laughs> what do you say to some people who have not experienced true persecution? I'm not talking about the people who are like, so-and-so said something to me or my neighbors, yeah. blah, 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 blah. But what, what about somebody who truly wants to know, I haven't been persecuted, so what does that mean? Okay, that's a good question. Because I haven't really faced persecution. Right. I would say I have never. Right. But I I believe that I have lived, and I believe that I'm striving after a godly life, right? I know at once I wasn't, but I believe now in my life in this season that I am. Um, I think, honestly, it comes down to the fact that well, this is tough. This is tough, but I'm going to, I'm just going to go, I'm going to walk out on a limb here. Okay. I think it comes down to America hasn't really faced true persecution because the American church isn't living truly a godly life. If that makes sense. I would agree hundred percent. And if that's completely wrong, we can edit that out. But (laughs) I, I, that's, that's where I'm going because, um, if we are walking a completely in line to what God has called us to walk into, it says we will be hated by the world. And I think for far too long within our borders, we have been loved by the world because we refuse to back down, or excuse me, we refuse to separate ourselves completely. Does that make sense? And please don't burn me at the stake for this. And maybe that was a wrong analogy to use considering what we're talking about, but just don't throw me under the rug with this one or under the bus. But last summer, I prayed that the Lord would bring fiery times because I know that when we are put under fire as the church, the church grows. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I believe it 100%. I believe this quarantine. Let's just move from persecution to quarantine and COVID. I believe this COVID and quarantine is sifting the wheat of oh, the yeah. church. I believe what we're going to see, we may see some smaller church sizes numerically, but you know what I think we are going to see? I think we're going to see some stronger churches spiritually. And I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm walking out on a limb here, and many of you may not agree with this, but I'm sorry, the young guy's coming out. Spiritually, I want the group that's stronger more than the large. I want the spiritual growth. That's what I want. I could care less about numbers. Give me the fruit that want truth. Give me the people that want the truth. Um, because I believe that true biblical truth will bring numbers eventually. I believe it. We've seen it in history, right? The church grew under persecution. Hey, check out China right now. Check out North Korea. You know what's growing? The church underground immensely. And guess what's happening? Those, are like, those two are top five world watch lists. Number one, North Korea, and they're just growing. So, hey, I've always said, Lord, do your will so that your church will grow. And if that means we've got to be put under pressure, then put us in the pressure cooker. Um, and it's it's tough truth, and it's tough. Right? I, I pray that I don't have to experience some of these things. I do. But I also pray on the flip side of that coin, if that day comes when there is a gun or a knife put to my head or my neck and say, do you trust in Jesus? This is your life at stake. That I would have enough courage and enough faith to go, I'm going home. Take me, Lord. And then my life be a testimony of that. And that my family one day would realize our dad or my husband or whatever, 
our grandpa died for what he believed in. Because let me tell you, by what I know biblically, what's on the other side is far better than what's here. And so I don't want to be clinged and attached to what I have here. Let me be clinged and attached to what is coming because that's eternal. This is just going to fade away. And so that's why I'm like, dude, I've been selling clothes like crazy. Like me and mom are trying to build a disc golf course out back. And so we've been pulling out some clothes. And I've been Priorities. stacking them up. Yeah. And, and that's just, but, well, that didn't really prove anything. I'm building a disc golf course with the money. But at the same token, I was like, I got too many clothes. This has got to go. I don't need this. And so, yeah, so good stuff. Okay, let's flip the coin because I got on a, I got on a little fiery road right there. Um, heavy stuff, man. Coffeewood Vern brings heavy thoughts. Um, but let's turn the page a little bit. Some other passages of scripture to kind of end this portion out with that I love. One in particular, Matthew 5. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I mean, think about that. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Those Nigerian believers are in the kingdom of heaven right now with the Lord. Another passage, 1 Peter 4.12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial. I think Pastor Larry just taught on this not too long ago. When it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and God rest upon you. Think about that. And I mean, that that's a beautiful thought. I think that those believers before they lost their life, the spirit was fully indwelt with them. And then they just stepped into reality of seeing the king. Oh man, that gives me goosebumps. Woo. Okay. All right. Let's turn the page a little bit. So real quick, before we kind of share uh, this little video with you, all that you can hear. Um, sorry, I don't have like a screen or nothing for you. Uh, you should go check out the sermon. This is a message from Together for the Gospel, David Platt, 2016. Now, this is 2016, but this is a slap to the face. I got a sound for that. Give it to me. Boom. And wow, it was good. I was I listened to this this past weekend. I was um, just making some coffee. I think it's Friday morning before I went bike riding. I was like, man, I need to, I just want to hear something focusing on missions. And so I was just looking up some uh, some messages on missions. And this was the top hit from David Platt. And it is from Together for the Gospel Conference. Pray I can go to that one day. But he talks about, to open his message, he talks about um, one of the reformers who died for the faith. Uh, his name was John Rogers. Not a lot of people know this name. Uh, William Tyndale really kind of trained him. He was a predecessor of William Tyndale, if you know that name. William Tyndale was um, executed for the publication and writing of the Bible in English and then putting it out for the common reader to be able to read. Because remember at this time, if you know anything about history, the, the Catholic Church did not want for Christians to, or for believers or church members to be able to read the Bible. They kept it to themselves in the Latin. They believed that it was too pure for the common reader to read. Oh, that, would, that just hurts me. If I couldn't read my text, if I couldn't read it, and William Tyndale was like, no, that's not happening. We're getting this thing out of here in English. And so he published it into English. If you know anything about books, Tyndale Press, that's his name. But John Rogers, 40 years after Luther had nailed the theses to the church in Wittenberg, um, and then 20 years after Calvin had wrote his first uh, copy of the Institutes of the Christian Religion, Queen Mary comes on the scene, also deemed the name Bloody Mary. 
Um, within a four-year span, starting in 1555, 288 believers died for the faith in four years. Now, what was the common form of execution? Do you know, Jesse, at this time? I do not. Fire. Burning oh. at the stake. Wow. Um, William Tyndale was burnt at the stake, and then they tied a cord around his neck to keep him from preaching in English. Wow. Beautiful story. Um, but John Rogers uh, was, he was a pastor, and uh, really to kind of speed up this thing so I don't have to play the 20-minute clip, I'm going to play three minutes of it. Um, go back and listen to this. This is T4G Martyrdom and Mission from David Platt, Why Reformers Died in Their Day, How We Must Live in Ours. Oh, gosh. Um, but John Rogers, uh, he was asked by Queen Mary to preach at a big event. I can't remember the exact. David Platt talks about it. And he preached the gospel in English so that everyone could hear. Um, and then that day he was arrested for that because remember they were supposed to be putting it out in latin they were not supposed to allow for the common person to understand it uh went against everything that the catholic church had stood for at that point he was arrested put on trial and therefore what takes place next he is led to his execution he had a wife and 10 kids his wife when he went to jail was pregnant with his 11th i believe on his way to his execution, guess what takes place? This is the crazy part. They walk him out. Who does he see? His wife and his 11 kids. She had his child. Um, and where did they execute him at? In the parish of his church. His whole church body was there. So think about this. A man desiring to preach the gospel who loved and was tight with his family has led to his death before his church body and his family. The 11th child, who he never even got to meet, is standing there watching his or her father go to their death. And what does he do on his way there? He glorifies the Lord. Um, and that's where we will pick up with David Platt talking a little bit about it. And then we're going to talk just a minute, and then we'll close out today. This is David Platt. John Fox, in his book of martyrs, tells us that he walked calmly to the stake, saying over and over again the 51st Psalm. When he arrived, the sheriff gave him one last opportunity to recant, revoke his confession of faith, to which Rogers responded, that which I have preached, I will seal with my blood. Within moments, the fire at Rogers' feet was set ablaze. His body slowly began to burn, and as he lifted his arms high in the air, Ryle said the enthusiasm of the crowds knew no bounds. They rent the air with thunders of applause. For up to that day, Ryle said, men could not tell how English reformers would behave in the face of death, and they could hardly believe that some would actually give their bodies to be burned for their religion. And some it would be. Within days, others would face the same fate. Nicholas Ridley, who Matt mentioned earlier, was a fellow prisoner with Rogers. He wrote to other pastors who had been in prison saying, I thank our Lord God and Heavenly Father by Christ that since our, I heard of our dear brother Rogers departing and stout confession of Christ and his truth even to the death, since that time, I say, I have no longer felt any lumpish heaviness in my heart. John Leaf, a 19-year-old apprentice of John Rogers, was arrested, asked if he believed what Rogers had taught him. Leaf answered, not only did he believe every doctrine Rogers had taught him from God's word, but he was ready to meet the same death that Rogers had faced, and so he did. 
history said, burned alive with a cheerfulness and an unshaken resolution that were, were remarkable for one so young and that would have pleased his teacher in the faith. John Rogers, Nicholas Ridley, John Leaf, I could read 285 other names who would follow in the fire of their footsteps across England under the reign of Queen Mary, in addition to all the saints who did the same across other countries during the Reformation. So see it, brothers. As this conference closes, lift your eyes across this Colosseum and look back one more time across history. See this day, 500 years ago, when our brothers in the faith were emboldened to die for their belief. See the day when pastors explored theology not as a merely academic exercise, but as a life and death endeavor. See this day when wives and children saw in their husbands and dads a willingness to sacrifice and suffer for the sake of what they studied. See in this day men who gladly embraced martyrdom for the sake of missions. See them, and as this conference closes, let us be reminded by them that it is altogether right for us in this room to give our lives preserving this gospel in the church. And brothers, be reminded by them that it is ultimately required for us in this room to give our lives proclaiming this gospel in the world. Wow. I mean, just the, the thought of that is just amazing. But the part of the clip I shared is because of what took place after. And so what took place after John Rogers' death? Well, William Tyndale has, I believe, has already been executed by the time of John Rogers. Um, and then what takes place after John Rogers that starts that four-year period of 288 believers being dying is action took place. It awakened. The actions of John Rogers awakened believers to take a stand for what they knew was true. And so then the question that I posed off of that for this morning to kind of close out is why isn't the persecution of our brothers and sisters across the world awakening us here in America? Even though it's not happening right here in our borders, why isn't the persecution of our brothers and sisters? If we truly believe that we are family in the name of Christ, then those are our blood brothers and sisters in the blood of Christ dying and being slain. And why hasn't it awoken us to take a stand for what we believe in, even here in America? But not even in a stand necessarily, if you're not in a place where you have to take a stand, but necessarily a place where your heart is awakened to this is truth, this is not just a Sunday ritual, put my suit and tie on and go home in my fancy car. This is life or death. And that's what pains me because this kind of stuff, as I was preparing for this, I was just getting choked up out of reading these articles of seeing slain after slain after slain of believer. And so the takeaway for this morning for you, if you missed all this and you just skipped to the end, is brother or sister in the faith, is this life or death to you? Like, is the name of Jesus, does it mean that much to you? Because I'm telling you, my prayer daily is, God, give me the courage that it would always be life and death for me. That life with you is far better than life on this earth. Um, and it's just, it's painful. It's painful. Me and Jesse talk about it a decent amount, but it's painful um, because we know in our lives that this is reality. Uh, David Platt knows it's reality. Um, another article I read, 
And this is why I, I don't know if we're praying the right things at times as believers. Another article I read was a pastor from America went to visit, and I think it was in China, might have been North Korea, went to visit an underground church and asked, Pastor, how can we pray for your underground church? And he said, pray for more persecution. And I'm like, huh? What do we pray for usually here? Safety. Lord, don't don't let us be persecuted. Give yeah. us Give us a hedge of protection constantly around us. Um, and although I, I'm thankful to be protected, I am. I don't take that for granted one bit. I'm thankful that I don't have to worry sometimes um, of me going home or coming to church. I'm very thankful for that. Um, and that is nothing to take lightly. We praise the Lord for that. Are we praying for the right thing, though? Should our prayer be the same as this pastor? Because what is his church doing? It's growing. And these are true regenerated believers that know the truth of the gospel. And it's growing underground. And he asked, pray for more persecution. And it's like, okay, so are we praying the wrong thing? And I believe the answer, I don't have to answer that. I think you know the answer if you have been tracking with us. I mean, so my prayer has skewed to Father, do your will. And if that means persecution, then Lord, prepare us for it so that we would stand true and with courage of knowing the faith when that fiery trial comes because it's been promised in scripture and we've been protected for a long time and although we are a young country our our history of america has not experienced anything like what our brothers and sisters are experiencing right now and although my fleshful side doesn't want that the spirit within me tells me that hey something's wrong with this picture we got to be ready for this and we got to know the truth of the gospel so um, let that let that sink in a good place. We don't bring this to knock you down and to beat you out. We bring this because we want to be ready for that day. I want to be ready for that day if that day does come. Um, and I want my family to be ready for that day if that day comes because um, I know the truth of the gospel in my heart, and I also want to exemplify it with my full life. Um, I, I don't want to ever come to that day where I deny the name of Jesus. Because he didn't deny mine on that cross. Um, he took mine there and bled out all the way to water for it. And so may we live the life that Christ has lived for us. Uh, and so this has been Coffee with Vern. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Hope you'll tune in again next week if this wasn't too heavy. Um, if you got questions, send those to coffeewithvern at gmail.com. That's coffeewithvern at gmail.com. Uh, we got some t-shirts. We got cool stuff coming. So holler at us. Uh, we will be here to encourage you each week. Uh, next week, we will have Brother Malone back with us with some more heavy thoughts. So holler at us. Hope to see you soon. Uh, go in peace. Shabbat Shalom.